Hello, welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and last week, after recording the episode of Dungeon Delving I did, I decided that instead of beginning to prepare for an episode I had thought about already, I was going to open up the Monster Manual to a random page and do an episode on whatever monster I opened to. So today we're delving into genies. There are four types of genies, one from each elemental plane. On the elemental plane of Earth, you have the Tao. The plane of air has the Jin. The plane of fire, the Ifrit. And the plane of water, the Merid. And on these elemental planes, these are not uncommon creatures. They don't have numbers akin to... You know, humans or elves even on the prime material plane, but they live there and they have cities. Ah, uh, each of them have uh, big capital cities that we'll delve into a little bit as we get to each type of genie. And I thought, as I was thinking about this group of monsters this week, getting ready for today, I realized that they're a lot more in depth than you think they are. So we'll delve into genies in general a little bit, then we'll delve into specific kinds and talk about what they what they can do and using them in campaigns and such. Now, the first thing you need to do is forget everything you think you know about genies from Aladdin. Genies are not your friends. If the genie from Aladdin was a genie from Dungeons and Dragons, he would be a jinn. The jinn are the most amenable to service and servitude. Because they are chaotic good. But genies in general, I personally think, aren't that good. All four types of genies are real big on slavery. They like to have slaves. And when we talk about specific kinds of genies, we'll talk about how they treat their slaves and the kinds of individuals they like to take for slaves. So any kind of genie can be a springboard for a campaign that happens in the elemental planes. Now, you could do this as the starting point of a campaign. You could do this as a uh, starting point for a new adventure for an ongoing campaign. And honestly, I think you could do this at any level. I feel like you absolutely could tailor a campaign to start at first level on another plane. Um, otherwise it is, I feel like because of the danger of elemental planes, having your party start out as captured by genies and brought to whatever elemental plane that type of genie is from would be a great way to start a campaign at a higher level because you're already starting off with all genies are CR 11 monsters. So you could definitely start with an 11th or 12th level party or even a 10th level party, and have them fighting things that are pretty strong and dangerous. And especially if, since you're probably going to have them not really have any equipment because they were captured. So, on the prime material plane, genies are very, very rare. And for the most part, genies on the prime material are have been captured by powerful magic users, namely wizards. And they are either then trapped in a variety of different kinds of bottles. Each genie has a different one that they talk about a little bit. 
and or they are bound into servitude. Whether they're trapped in a bottle or not is a d- different scenario. But some of them, sometimes they get brought, summoned to the elemental plane and then bound into servitude. And that's how most genies are going to exist. I absolutely think that you could have genies existing in the prime material plane that aren't bound into servitude, that are just there. Um, it talks a little bit of, in the Monster Manual about different kinds of genies building outposts on other planes. Namely the Afrit. They're the only ones that it talks about doing that. But, excuse me, any kind of genie could. Um, So let's talk about the specific kinds of genies before we really delve into using them in your campaign. So we'll start with the Tao, the Elemental Earth genies. These genies are greedy and malicious. They're neutral evil. They love jewelry and precious gems. When they fly, their lower bodies turn into columns of swirling sand. They want their goal is to be the envy of all other Tao. They live in the city of jewels on the elemental plane of Earth is their capital. And their cities and towns are mazes of mines. They capture slaves to work these mines. So I would say that Tao would want to take dwarves as slaves. Dwarves and gnomes, probably. The the big diggers. Um, they like to trade for the finest slaves money can buy. Uh, they hate being enslaved themselves, which is fair. <laughs> uh, they get trapped in magic gemstones or iron flasks. And it says that they're probably the easiest ones to cozen into service because of their greed. They can be bribed into servitude. So if you don't want to bind one then having one uh, convincing one to serve you for a time is probably easier because you could bribe them with gems um, it says the other races of the elemental plane of earth avoid the Tao because the Tao will take them as slaves because the they just take everyone as slaves. They're not good people, the Tao. The Jin are the elemental plane of air genies, and they are chaotic good. Which to me is odd, because they still like slaves. And they kind of have the excuse that a lot of people give to, you know, like the founding fathers of America, where they're like, they own slaves. And they're like, well, yeah, but George Washington treated his slaves well. Yeah, but he, he still owns slaves. And that's kind of how the Jinn are. They uh they're mischievous. They have a favorable attitude towards uh mortals, but they still take mortals as slaves for some reason. <laughs> they uh they like found they like a, they're creatures of comfort. They like fruits and wines and perfumes and beautiful music. So that's who they're going to be taking as slaves, as artists and musicians, people to serve them their food, as well. They uh, they treat their slaves more like servants, deserving of kindness and protection, but they part with them reluctantly. So what that means to me is that if you are the servant of a jinn then your life is probably 
fairly cozy. You know, I'm sure you, you get, I'm sure they, I would imagine that they give you time off. They give you freedom to an extent. Um, they take care of you, make sure you're well fed. They make sure you're safe from being stolen by other types of genies or something. But they part with them reluctantly. So even though you have a fairly comfortable life, you still serve you're still a servant a and b you can't leave you're still a slave you're still captured and to me i don't know i don't i i wouldn't put the jinn as good as purely good creatures because they keep slaves yeah they treat them well but they still keep slaves and <laughs> i have trouble looking at the uh jinn as being good. Um, the plane of air in the Dungeon Master's Guide doesn't really give a uh, there's a, a realm called Aka Aqua Aka, I don't know. A shining dominion of silver spires and verdant gardens and atop a fertile earth moat. And it says the Windukes live there, but it doesn't say that they're if they're Jin or not. But I don't know what they are. So they might be Jin. Maybe that's where the Jin live is Akka. But I don't know. Uh, but um The Jin I don't need their stat block. They are also the ones that are uh, the most amenable to servitude. They never enjoy it, and they don't want to do it for a long period of time, but they can, they're more willing to do it. And they uh, they don't like being in prison, so a gin being put into a bottle is not something that they're going to be very happy with. Uh, next we have the Ifrit from the Plane of Fire, and they're... To me, I feel like they're the most organized ones. They have the city of brass on the shore of the sea of fire, on the elemental plane of fire, and they're they're haughty and cruel, and they they uh, rule as oppressive tyrants, promoting cruelty among their slaves and giving their overseers whips to keep the rank and file and in uh in order. Um. They put military outposts throughout the plains, and when they do, when they, when they go to the material, they live in deserts and uh, um, volcanoes. But uh, the free aren't good. The free are lawful evil. They're these red-skinned. They almost look like devil people. They don't have horns, or they do have horns. But um, they kind of look like Darth Maul. If you look at the art in the <laughs> in the players in the monster manual, they kind of look like Darth Maul, but have like a crown of horns on their head. But the Efreet are really easy to make into villains. Um, it talks about in the monster manual that they have devils that serve them, that they that the Efreet bind into service, and dragons that they force into service. And it's like, wow, these guys are pretty hardcore. Um, <clears throat> escaping the city of brass is absolutely a great idea for a campaign or for an adventure, at least. 
alternatively breaking into the city of brass to retrieve something that was stolen also could be a very intense and interesting adventure for your party and then finally we have the mirrors on the elemental plane of water they uh their emperor lives at the citadel of 10,000 pearls a palace of coral and studded with pearls where the mirrored emperor lives um Deep within the Sea of Worlds. The uh, the Marids are kind of interesting. They're chaotic neutral. Um, they, uh, they all claim titles of nobility. So, like, they're all shahs, sultans, uh, muftis, muftis, uh, kadayas. All of the genies have kind of a Middle Eastern influence in their design and then their um the aesthetic of their culture. And this makes sense because genies in real world mythology come from Middle Eastern mythos, but you gotta be careful with it because they are all a bunch of slavers and you don't you gotta be careful with uh portraying even though it's a fantasy creature, you're still portraying a real world uh, culture and its history and if you just make them out to be bad guys all the time it's a little little gray area there just be careful but um Merids like to take uh from looking for they take slaves that are What's the word I'm looking for? They like slaves that can play beautiful music. They like musicians and poets and artists, people that create beauty. And in their homes, they have pockets of air where their air-breathing slaves can, you know, not die. And they also, um, they don't like to deal with people that are weak. If they're going to enter into negotiation deals with people, it's going to be powerful wizards and uh, exceptional leaders. People that they view as almost equal to them. And this is, you know, their folly because if they start dealing with a powerful wizard, they run the risk of getting bound to a flat, to a lamp or something. So, genies provide you with an opportunity to have citizens in the elemental planes if your players go to the elemental planes and somehow establish themselves as we're supposed to be here we're allowed to be here and we're not slaves your genies you can tweak the way genies work a little bit to have them not just trying to enslave everyone and instead have them just be kind of people from the elemental planes and that's probably what I would do. I might have there be slavery in genie society because the way that genies are are made out to be in the monster manual, that's kind of the foundation of their society. So I would say that I would make it so that genies have slaves but aren't trying to enslave you know everyone they meet. So your players could go there freely and the cities and towns of the genie would be... That would they would be the population there. That would be your NPCs. Genies are a creature that outside of the elemental planes, I would 
not just plop into an encounter. I wouldn't say, all right, for this encounter, you encounter a genie. Ah, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I should have looked at this beforehand, but I don't know off the top of my head if any of the encounter tables on you know, Xanathar's Guide have genies in their encounters, but I would probably re-roll it because I feel like because of how rare genies are on the Prime Material, you have to make them characters. Well, you don't have to, but they're intelligent uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're intelligent creatures with personalities and character. So they need to be, in my mind at least, made into characters. If your players are going to encounter a genie, whether it's in a lamp and going to grant them a wish before leaving and going back to its home, or existing in the world, genies need to have personality. They need to have character because they are individuals. That's what I was looking for. They're individuals. Um, and because they are a high CR, because they are more intelligent, because they are powerful, you sh I don't feel like you can throw them at parties the way you do goblins or orcs. And we'll talk more about goblins and orcs in later episodes. But genies, if I was going to put genies in the world, I would have them be existing in positions of power. I had an idea I talked about with one of my friends the other day of having, if you were going to play a uh, way of four elements monk, having your temple be run by a group of genies that put aside their differences and run this temple together. So you have like a temple with four wings, a wing of fire, earth, air, and earth, earth, fire, earth, air, and water. And each wing is run by a master who is a genie of that type. So you have all four types of genies. Alternatively, if you want to have like an elemental trial dungeon where the players have to go into a central hub, um, in the campaign I'm playing right now but that my friend Tim is running, we had this, we had this elemental temple and there were four different hallways. And at the end of each hallway, we fought an elemental. And when you get to higher level, if you want to have more of an elemental themed dungeon like that, you could have genies at the end who are existing, maybe they're bound to servitude by a wizard a long time ago to be guardians of some treasure. Um, alternatively, the genies themselves could be ruling. You know, you could have a... If the if the players go to the desert and find a Afrit ruling over the city here, this, this one Afrit who left the... Who maybe they were unable to find to increase their position in a free society in the city of brass and so they came to the prime material and became the ruler of a city i think that would be pretty cool if you have uh, to have uh sorry if there's a little skip there i'm i don't know if i bumped the stop button or if the app glitched but um I was talking about having cities that are ruled. Maybe you have uh, a city-state that's, um, I don't know, not completely isolated from others, but a little bit isolated. It stands alone. Um, I have a campaign setting I've been working on where there's a a small town on the border of the desert, and... In this desert, 
It's like on the it's in the mountains at the edge of the desert between like the deserts and you know a more like a dusty scrubland and maybe that could be ruled over by a genie. There's a genie that lives there. It's kind of isolated. Travelers still go there, so it's not completely isolated, but it's not part of any grand kingdom. Instead, it's ruled over by a genie. And that could make for a very interesting change of pace. Especially if your characters are getting if your players are getting used to the culture of your world. And as they're going to different uh, cities and towns and kingdoms, there's a purveying culture that they're used to. And then they go to a city-state that's ruled over by a genie, and the culture just is completely different. They go to a city in the desert that's like a little mini city of brass where the everyone in the city works in service to this Efreet lord. Or they climb a high mountain, and among the peaks, they find a town ruled over by a jinn. And everyone there lives these comfortable lives, but they still they serve the jinn master. Maybe a coastal city has a Merid living in it, who maybe isn't the lord of the city, but has made themselves you know, a powerful merchant with a merchant lord <clears throat> who owns a fleet of ships and has uh, servants working for them. And they're just, they live in this opulent mansion on the side of the ocean. And genies offer you an opportunity in a high fantasy setting. So a setting where magical creatures and non-human uh, races are commonplace, where... Even a small bumpkin, like I have a, the campaign setting for the campaign I'm running now is like this, where even the smallest village is full of diversity. My players went through a town recently that was just a small town surrounded by orchards. It was all farmers. And there were halflings and humans and elves and dragonborn living in this small village. And if you're playing that kind of setting, having genies just kind of exist in the world and having them still be rare on the prime material, but have genies just kind of exist in these in these places where in positions of power, you know, genies that have left their home plane, like I mentioned with the Afrit, they left their home plane because they weren't able to rise among the rise in rank in in their home. So they came to the prime material where they are more powerful than most things and were able to find themselves in positions of high authority and power. And if you really want to have a campaign setting where there are, you know, cities of men and halflings and tieflings that are that have strange magical creatures in positions of power, think like the Xanathar in uh, the Waterdeep setting. Xanathar is a beholder that is the leader of a thieves' guild. You could do that with genies. You can have genies exist in these positions of power in the world to put a deep, high fantasy edge on it. Think, um, or like in Solo, in the, in the movie Solo, which had the, uh, the gang leader was this big worm alien thing. Or, you know, Jabba the Hutt. You know, he's he's got a gang of thugs that he ruled that he leads he's a crime boss 
but he's this big slug monster. You can do that with genies. I mean, genies aren't gross slug monsters, but <laughs> you can have genies existing in your world as these authority figures. And it comes, it comes from them being powerful and being decadent and being uh, these interesting things. Now, having genies in bottles is obviously a risky operation. Giving your players access to wishes is something that you need to be very careful with as a DM because on the one hand, you want to make that wish strong enough that the players feel like they're actually getting a wish, but at the same time, you can't just be like, yeah, you can do anything with your wish because if you let your players do anything with your wish, they might, with their wish, they might completely derail your your campaign or change the very fabric of your campaign world, which maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, letting the players have their actions change the rules a little bit of the way the world works isn't always a bad thing. It makes a lot of work for you as the DM, but it's not purely a bad thing. If I was going to put, I would never, if I, I've actually rolled on uh, treasure tables before and rolled up, rolled to put in a freight bottle into a treasure chest. And I was like, nope, not happening. <laughs> um, but having, if I'm going to put a genie in a bottle as a magical item that they can find in the world, it's going to be important. It's going to be a legendary artifact that people have searched for for ages or that a powerful wizard that rules over a kingdom has. Um, maybe you have a powerful archmage that rules a town, and uh, it's like Jafar, you know? Like, he became sultan after getting uh, the genie. So maybe that's your character. You have this maybe villainous, maybe not archmage who rules over a city or a kingdom, and they got their power because they have a genie trapped in a bottle and they've used up one of their wishes or maybe two of their wishes and now the genie is just sitting there waiting for them to finally use that third wish so they can go home. Um, alternatively, it might be in a dragon's treasure trove or something and it becomes the object of your players need to go get it. Um, and then your players you know, obviously have the option to either bring it to whoever hired them or use it themselves. When you're dealing with the wishes, though, the way I see it, it's tricky. Because the way I see it, you have a few options for what to do when your players release a genie that's trapped in a, in a lamp or something. And the genie comes out and goes, thank you for releasing me. I'll grant you a wish. Do you want to do, all right, you guys as a group have three wishes. You guys as a group have one wish. You each get one wish. You know, if you say, oh, you each get one wish and you have five players in your party, then that's five opportunities your par your party has to mess things up for you and make things more difficult for you as a DM. Whereas if you have, you guys get one wish, then you uh, open the door to your players arguing amongst themselves, trying to figure out what they want to wish for. And while this can be an interesting in-character um, 
opportunity for the the PCs to interact and have some role playing amongst themselves, you run the risk of it devolving into an argument pretty easily. So you gotta be careful with that. Wishes are not something to use lightly as a DM. And as an extent, genies are something that I absolutely recommend that you don't use lightly. Maybe if your players are exploring the elemental planes, running into genies is something that can just happen. But while you're confined to the to the prime material plane, genies are not something that you should just plop into your world. When you get to higher levels, you absolutely can because they're not going to pose a threat to your party, but I still wouldn't. I think genies deserve to have individuality and to have characters. There are a lot of monsters in across all of the different bestiaries that I personally think absolutely demand by their very nature to be individual characters and to be role-played not just a block of stats for your players to fight and genies are absolutely one of them i feel like genies have a lot of potential to become really interesting characters for the party to interact with if you put some thought into how you're using them that's all i've got for today sorry about the weird little skip between around 18 19 minutes i don't know what happened there So hopefully there's not a whole chunk of me talking that didn't get recorded. But um, that's all I got for today. We'll see you guys next week. Keep on delving.